What's up, everybody? My name is Lamana. Welcome back to the God is My Source podcast. We bridge the gap between God, money, health, family, relationships, education. We know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I got Miss Stephanie Vaught on the line today. Woman of God, lawyer. She's the social. She is the social money financial expert. She owns social money finance, and she's going to teach us how to be good stewards over our money today and show us how God has shown her the revelation of how we can build wealth in the kingdom of God. So how, first off, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Lamont. Oh, I thank you for coming on. You took a lot of time out to come talk with us and we just appreciate your presence. So we just going to take a second to have a word of prayer right quick and then we're going to get right into this episode. Perfect. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for giving us opportunity to showcase your grace and talk about everything you have done for us. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to help us to keep this conversation in a framework for the listeners to be able to grasp a hold of everything that you are trying to tell them in this hour, Father God. We ask you to speak prophetically through us, Father God, so that we can be able to prepare individuals for the times coming ahead, Father God. You prepared Joseph in his time of need, Father God, when he was in Egypt, Lord Jesus, Lord. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, Lord, to prepare us now through Miss Stephanie Vaught through this conversation. We ask you, Lord Jesus, Lord, to help us to continue to seek you first before we seek anything else. You said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You didn't say, seek ye first money. You didn't say, seek ye first a job. You didn't say, seek ye first a business. You told us to seek ye first you, and you will show us what to do with everything. So we trust you with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. All our ways, we shall acknowledge you and you will direct our path for you said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And we ask you to lead our steps on today. Open our hearts, open our minds, take the veils off of our eyes so that we can be able to see the things that you want us to see, not what we want to see. And we ask you just to keep our hearts and let the words out of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus mighty name, I pray it is so and it shall be. Amen. Amen. Hey man, I thank you for coming on. You, she, she, like, I'm not gonna lie to y'all. This is like an opportunity here because Miss Vaught is like she's the she's the money queen. She the money queen. She she help everybody get their finances in order. She teaches you how to maintain your budget so that you can live a lifestyle that you want to live while not being too tight on it too as well. So we, like I said, we appreciate her for coming on. And I just want you to talk to the people for a second. So first off, who is uh, Stephanie Vaught? Like, what is your testimony? What has God brought you out of? How did you get to where you are today? Yes. Well, I thank you. I thank you, Lamont. I love your energy, too. This is awesome. So, you know, let me tell you about me. Um, I am a financial coach, have been for a total of seven years. I have had my company, Social Money Finance, for four years. And prior to getting into the financial field, as Lamont said, I was an attorney by trade. And so that was my lifelong dream. I always wanted to practice law, always wanted to be in the legal field, love the law, still love the law. And I thought that's all I do. And so I pursued that goal. I graduated law school in 07. And I went forward in you know, the le my legal career. And what was interesting is that I developed a passion for learning how to manage money. And what brought me to that was really through experience. When I was in law school, I tell people all the time, it was the most exhilarating and intellectually stimulating experience I've ever had, but it was also the most challenging. And why? Because I was broke. 
in law school. I you talking about no money. And you know, I had to work. I worked about three jobs. There was part-time and I was going to school full-time. And so I was trying to put that money together to pay rent and pay a car note and insurance and groceries and utilities and all the things that, you know, most of us have as adults. But I did not have enough money to carry me through month to month. So I was putting jobs together, trying to make it. And I got help from family, right? Sometimes my family would pitch in and throw me some money. But the thing is, I was a full grown adult in law school. I was 25, 27, 28, you know, and my family, my mother in particular, had supported me through undergrad. She had paid for our undergrad education. And so through law school, it was kind of like, you've got to this, you've got to make this work. And I did, but what was really stressful about it was having little money. And I don't care what anybody says, when your money is funny, <laughs> it will keep you up at night. It will stress you out because you need money to live, period. And so I went through law school, got my degree, got my job. And if you all notice the date, I started working in 07, toward the end of 07. So what was coming around the corner? The housing crash, the economic crisis of 08 was coming. And fortunately, I had a job, but that was the first time I had ever seen attorneys in particular getting laid off. That did not happen. Attorneys, lawyers, those are supposed to be really safe careers. It's always the career that's dropped when you're telling kids, you know, be every, anything you want to be, doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, that career is always dropped because there's safety in it, but not during that time. In 08, it turned the world on its head. And so what I realized in that moment, I was working with attorneys who were seasoned, who had been in the game 20, 30 years, and, you know, I'm fresh out trying to learn from them, and they were losing their livelihoods. They were losing their financial livelihoods. And what dawned on me, is that no matter what you're doing, no matter how much money you make, I don't care how many degrees you have, how much prestige you have, how much you think you got it going on, something can happen that can shake up your world. And that means, you know, losing a job, losing livelihood or what have you. And if you don't know how to manage your money, if you don't know the basics of money management and how to make it through you know, storms and how to make it through unexpected events. Now, nobody, relatively speaking, was expecting that housing crash, right? But there are certain things you can do to prepare yourself for the unexpected. You can't plan everything, but there are certain things you can do and there are certain lessons that you can just apply, right? And so what it dawned on me was these smart people were losing it. You know, they were panicking because they didn't have a plan. And it hit me then, and this is coming up into 09, that I did not want to be on the other end of what I felt in law school, which was just no money, broke, broke, you know, that feeling of just not having enough because I didn't know how to, I didn't know what to do. And so I taught myself how to manage money starting in 09. I taught myself how to manage it because I said, it doesn't matter how much I make. I could have a lot today and lose it. But I need to understand certain principles that will keep me going, you know, regardless of what my income looks like. And so from 09 through present, that has been my passion. And I took it on as a profession in 2015. And then I started the business in 2018. So that's, that's my backstory. And that's what brought me to finance. But that life lesson 
of just really, really trying to be prepared in the face of the unexpected, as much as you can be, is so important when it comes to your livelihood. No, that's amazing. And that's very important that you, what you just told the audience, because what people don't understand is that financial management is a skill. Yeah. You have to acquire that skill because, and I tell people I got my degree in finance, the first thing, like the not so, I'm not going to say not smart, but the person that doesn't know much about the industry or the field, they go in the instant like, oh, can you help me manage my finances? <laughs> yes. Managing finances is a, is, is a skill of its own. The art of money is finance. Finance is anything having to do with money, the selling the money, economics, different things like that. But financial management is how those resources are managed to be invested, to grow over a period of time, and to be able to manage those resources to be able to take care of bills, take care of emergencies, and different things like that. So you were able to acquire this skill through experience. You went to school for, for law. He was like, all right, I'm going to do this for a little bit. But then we know that a lot of lawyers, they get paid a higher salary. So I'm guessing in this time period, once you were getting this higher salary, then some of your friends, you like, all right, look, I'm not, I'm not about to be the one at, uh, at brunch every weekend. I'm not about to be the one that's going city to city, getting all these different credit cards. You understood the importance of everything. It seems like God took you through a storm yes. to prepare you because you said you got out in 07, 08. Didn't nobody know that was going to happen. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're saying it. I mean, in 09, and I'll be honest, I'm going to be transparent with y'all. My first job out of law school was not bank, not quite yet. <laughs> I was making more money, right? I was making more money than I had, but, and it set me up. It set me up to be able to get my own place, to be able to get out of debt. That was the first thing I had to do when I got out of law school and got a job and start working and getting my footing was getting out of debt. I had accumulated you know, um, medical debt. This is the stuff people don't talk about. I didn't have insurance when I was in law school. Mm -hmm. And so I had to have like wisdom teeth pulled. <laughs> you know, I had to have, you know, just checkups and things like that. And I didn't have health insurance. And so, you know, I paid what I could, but that of course became a bill. Um, I didn't rely heavily on credit cards, but I did have some credit card debt coming out of school. Of course I had student loans. Um, and I had other things just, you know, things that would come up that I just owe people. And so when I got out of school and I started working and like I said, getting my bearings, my first order of business was paying off that debt because my attitude was as long as somebody can come after me or money owed to them, the money that I have is not mine. You know, if somebody's got their hand out, like you owe me this and they're, you know, it, it's accumulating interest and they want fees and all this other stuff, I can't really enjoy the money I'm making, I can't really rest because somebody else is like, no, you, you owe me, they're laying claim to my money. And so that was the first thing I did was get into a program and a plan to pay off debt. And so, yes, that did mean, you know, saying no to some of the extravagances, right. To some of the long trips and things like that, you know, every now and then I treat myself and do some things I enjoy because I've encouraged my clients to do that every now and then, you know, give yourself something. But if you have a goal, if you have something you're working toward and, and you're making that priority because you can see the bigger picture, right? It fits into, you know, a particular lifestyle that you're you're working toward, then it is absolutely 
necessary and worth it to put your time and attention in that goal, meet the goal, and then you can go on and do what you need to do. And so that's what I did. That's amazing to be able to take away what you took away because most people, they come out of school, what they do, that first thing they do, they go get that apartment they want, <laughs> they yep. go get that car they want, they start going crazy on the shopping. I know I was I was a culprit of this when I first got out of college. I moved to Miami when I first moved out of college. <laughs> my first job, I moved to wow. Florida, South Florida. I'm in Miami. I'm doing wow. all that stuff. And it was like a I had to come to my senses to be able to grasp all of that information, understand like, hey, look, if you really want to go where you say you want to go, you got to delay some of this gratification. Right. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I drove the same car I had in law school. As a matter of fact, I had that same car for 14 years. So I drove it, didn't, you know, until I did not have a car note, drove it well beyond that. Um, you know, I did get a place to live, but I moved back home. Those first few years out of law school, I moved back home so I could save some money. You know, I paid a small amount of rent just to help my mom out. And, you know, I'm an adult, so I'm working. I wanted to contribute to the household. And and things like that. I certainly didn't want to be a burden right to my parents, but at the same time, I wasn't paying what I pay in probably a, a normal, regular apartment. And so that right there gave me an opportunity to save money. Um, like I said, driving the same car, just not going crazy, like you said, you know, racking up a lot of credit card debt and just doing a lot of things. I really, really tried to focus on um, paying off debt and then you know, creating a money system for myself. So looking at what money I brought in, what was going out, what was left over, what was I saving, how was I managing and being able to put money away um, into a savings account, you know, putting money away into an emergency funds, um, making sure that, you know, I just have money for expenses and things that could potentially come up. That was really important to me. Dope. And I know we all have our way of managing money. I know a lot of people, some people listen to Dave Ramsey. Some people listen to uh, Grant Cardone. Some people, people listen to different people when it comes to how they want to take their money and grow it for the long term or how they want to save it for a long term. What are some principles that you tell your clients as far as managing their salary? Absolutely. So the first thing I tell a person is start with the facts. One thing you're going to get out of me is because I still have a huge legal brain, I'm going to, you know, there's going to be some, some legal terminology or just kind of that legal influence sort of permeating through my financial education and coaching, but it applies. So the first thing I say is start with the facts. The facts are how much money do you make? It is amazing that sometimes people just do not know how much money they bring in. And that can happen if they own a business, right? Because sometimes that money can fluctuate and may not be the same every month. Sometimes they have more than one stream of income. And so they're getting money from, you know, all different places. But the first thing you need to know is know how much money you are bringing into the household, what is coming in from there. What actions are you taking? How do you spend your money? One of the first things I ask people is what is the first thing you do when you get money? Do you put something in savings? Do you just immediately start paying bills? Do you look at what's due? Do you coordinate your money to what bills are due? You know, do you treat yourself immediately? Do you go to a mall? I mean, what do you do? And the, and the thing is, Lamont, I tell people, don't attach, um, you know, 
uh, an emotion to it, right? So when you find out what you do, don't get upset. Like, oh my God, I, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. I should, don't do that. It's a fact-finding exercise. What do you do? Once you figure that out, what do you want to do? What do you want to be doing? Because a lot of times there's always something people want to be doing. Once they, once they get clear on what they currently do, they, they're like, oh my goodness, this is what I should, quote unquote, should be doing. And so how you sort of get around that should is I ask the person, what are your goals? You know, what kinds of, just, just throw them out. Don't put sort of a realistic, the term realistic on it. Just tell me what you want to do. And then once a person can articulate that, that will drive the behavior after that. How do you meet the goal? Because now you have something to work toward. Now you've given your money something to do. There's a, there's a phrase that I've said, it's probably been out there, but you've given your money an assignment now. It has purpose once you put a goal to it. And then once you do that, you have to check your progress. You have to look in on how are you doing in meeting that goal? How are you doing? And continue to make new ones, right? You know, let's say, for example, one of your goals is to pay off a credit card. Let's put some action behind that. How are you going to attempt that? And so we work on strategy on, you know, getting that card paid off. Once the card is paid off, what do you do with the extra money? You know, these are things that I like for my clients to articulate. I am not of the business. And a lot of this might go against what some financial experts do, but I don't enjoy telling them what to do. What I do is ask them questions. What do you want to do? You're an adult. I teach my clients to have agency over their decisions. You decide what you want to do. This is not based on what somebody told you, what you think you should do, you know, guilt and all these other things. You tell me, what do you want? And then I will tell you, I will give you some guidance on how to achieve that. And then the last piece to this is your accountability. I think you and I talked offline. There has to be an accountability measure built into sort of the whole scheme, right? You can't say you want to do something and not do it. Accountability mm -hmm. is you being accountable to your own word. You know, before you're accountable to anybody else, be accountable to you. Let your word mean something to you. And so that is how I sort of start off, you know, working with my clients and asking them what's going on first. What do you want to be going on? What actions are we going to take to make that happen? And then being accountable to what you said you want to do. So that is in a, in a nutshell how I approach it. And then the last piece to that too is as we're working through all of that is really unwrapping the mindset piece because that's a huge part of it. It is a huge part. You can set these lofty goals, you know, and get excited <laughs> and, oh my God, I'm going to do all this stuff. But mindset things can creep up, especially if you are doing something opposite of what you've learned, you know, or what you've been taught or what you did in the past or what have you. So we work on mindset in the background of all of the, the actions that you're taking. We do mindset work as well. That's big, as you said, and she dropping the sauce for y'all, too. So, like, when you talk about mindset, like, so many people look at that as cliche. Yes. They're not yes. understanding, like, what, what we mean and by, like, mindset. When you get it, it's like that. If, for those who get it, get it. Those who don't, don't. But 
if you want to elevate to that next level, you have to do, you have to change that mindset. Like you have yeah. to change the mindset from scarcity to abundance. Yeah. So what are some exercises you go through with your clients on getting rid of that negative way of thinking and thinking that things are going to be always be the same or always trying to find the bad in something? Yes. So one example I love to give is, you know, thinking of a lot. Let me put it this way. A lot of times people think if you have money, money is considered six and seven figures. Let's say six figures. Most people, maybe a lot of people don't have seven figures just yet. Right. But maybe they got six figures. Maybe they got high five figures, 80, 90,000. Maybe they're making 100,000, 150, 200, whatever the case might be. But let's just say they're in that range. And the thought, the common thought is a person with money has money. That's the common thought. And I will tell, I've been a financial coach for seven years. That isn't always true. You know, it isn't always the case that somebody who has money has money. You know, they may have money coming in, but when they look at their bank account, they don't have any money. And so the question becomes, well, how is that? How is a person making $250,000 not have any money? And what I tell people is oftentimes a person doesn't, your, the amount of money that you make doesn't necessarily reflect the mindset that you have. You can have a poverty mentality and make $250,000, $500,000. How you end up having that is let's say you have that kind of money and you don't take any of it to invest in things that will make you more money, mm -hmm. you know, where you're not investing in assets that make you money. Your money is going to tons and tons of liabilities. Liabilities are things that depreciate in value. So if you're going out buying the latest clothes, you got on all types of watches and shoes and you know all these things, and you're just throwing, and I tend to call it throwing money up in the air. You're just throwing it. But the thing, it has no, it has no rhyme or reason. And then when you look at your bank account or something comes up or you need money for an emergency or an unexpected expense and you look in your account and you don't have anything and you're wondering, oh, my gosh, what happened? What, why don't I have any money? I'm bringing in, you know, all this money a year. How come I don't have any money? Well, that that can resemble a poverty mentality, because typically what that means when I say that when you're acting in a scarcity belief, it means you're spending it because you think you might run out of it. Like it is the last money you're going to make. So I got to spend it. I got to buy. I got to buy. I got to buy. And that's what I mean when I say it has no rhyme or reason. It's not connected to your values. It's not connected to purpose or goals. You're just consuming, consuming, consuming. And a lot of times when you do that, you're setting you. You're living in the moment and you're not really thinking long term or thinking about building wealth or thinking about leaving legacy, especially have children or family or what have you. And so keep in mind, as what I said, it's nothing wrong with enjoying your life. I always encourage my clients do, you know, you work for a living, there should be some things that you can do that you enjoy. So I'm definitely not discouraging that. What I'm saying is when there is no balance, when everything is just, just, you know, helter skelter, it's no, it's no goal around it. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And then when the time comes that you need money for a specific thing, you don't have any. Or if you find yourself, you know, paying your bills late, if you find yourself incurring tons and tons of late fees because you don't know when anything is due, you know, if you are 
just, I mean, spending without any type of reasoning. That relates to having a mindset of scarcity and it can also be called the poverty mentality. No, definitely. I, uh, I have family members that they were telling me like they had just found out about like retirement plans. And so, cause I'm, I'm explaining them different stuff like IRAs, 401ks and stuff like yeah. that. And it was like, yeah, cause I just got a 401k. And I'm thinking my head, like you way older than me. Like how you just not got a 401k. Yeah. So that means for 10, probably 15 years, maybe 20 years, this person was just working and never really even thinking about retirement. Yeah. Like yeah. we have a, uh, we have a, a situation now where everybody's talking about money. Everybody's talking about wealth building. Everybody's talking yeah. about start a business. Everybody's talking about uh, invest for tomorrow. Uh, how are you uh, buying assets over liabilities? But prior to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2008. Yeah. Prior to 2008, it was like a, not a party, but everybody just, <laughs> they just living. Yeah, you're right. You are absolutely right. And the reason that date is so important, and Lamont, I don't know how old you are, but the reason that date is so important, especially to folks my age and older, is because you are right. Folks were living their life. People were spending, people were consuming, people were going on trips. You know, people were in their prime. They were buying cars. They were doing what people do when they get money, when they get a job or say like, let's say they come out of school and they work really hard and, and all of the things. But what the economic crisis showed us was that, you know, you can be up one minute and down the next, up one minute and down the next. And when you are down the next and you have not prepared for any kind of emergency and keep in mind, I'm not saying anybody could have predicted or knew. And again, I always say relatively speaking because someone out there will say somebody knew about this. But relative in general, folks, you know, who who weren't, you know, in these maybe small circles who pretty much did not know this crisis was coming. Yeah, you can't plan for something like that. You know, how do how do I even know something like that was coming? But here's the thing. When you don't practice planning for any kind of unexpected expense, any kind of emergency, then obviously when something you know, as big as, as an economic crisis comes, you are completely unprepared and knocked off your rocker because you don't have the practice of preparing for anything, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're right. The 08, when that happened, it, I mean, it tore a lot of people up because they were not of the practice, you know, of putting money. It definitely had its part there. I don't know what just happened. That was a liar, though. <laughs> Did it happen? I don't even know if it happened on your end. But no, no, you correct, though. You are definitely correct. Because in 2008, that's when everybody who was basically learning how to make money on a credit, they started to find that they was in variable interest loans and... <laughs> 
bubble loans and all right. that stuff. And they getting letters in the mail like, yeah, your interest rate just went up uh 50% and right. it was double the payment you was paying on that rental property that you got. You like, wait, why is it like that? I, they only pay me $900 a month. You told me my, my payment $1,300 for the mortgage. It was just $500. You like, absolutely. Yeah, like, oh, no, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Everybody filing bankruptcy. And people don't even know that's what caused what the, the mortgage crisis. That's what it caused. caused it. Yeah. Because people were just you were able to basically just state your income. If I'm not I, I don't know, because I want old enough to be in the banks by then. But reading about it, learn about it in class and stuff. They said, basically, you can just walk into the bank. Tell them like, all right, yeah, I make three hundred thousand. Go get you the house on the hill. Wherever you want to be, you want Alpharetta? Oh, yeah, we in Alpharetta. We just got this uh, half million dollar house, million dollar house. <laughs> and since money is going good, you're able to make that payment. You're able to make that that $3,000, $3,500 payment at first. You and your wife, you feel me? Like everything good. Yeah. Yeah. Now, things not going the same way. You're not able to go get those loans no more. You can't rob Peter and pay Paul no more. <laughs> Boom. Now we here, but I feel like with the pandemic happening, things have slowed down. But I also starting to see that a lot of people are becoming entrepreneurs. Yes. But I also know that too, we have more education. So we have opportunity to receive more debt funding. Yes. So how would you tell some people to prepare for tomorrow that are, I mean, we, we low-key in the same situation. We can't hide it no more. Some people don't know this, but I mean, you know, now if you're watching this podcast, we're in a, uh, we're at the end of a debt cycle. Yes. And they given out a lot of money, but one of the main reasons why they giving out a lot of money, is like they putting a ticket on you. Mm. It's like they securing their funds for the long play. Mm-hmm. If I can get you on my accounts, if I can get you on my accounts payable to be, all right, he owes me 30,000 accounts payable. I can take these accounts payable. I can go take these to other lenders that we don't know nothing about. We look at an American Express, the credit mm-hmm. unions, Navy, federal, but they go on to large financial institutions in China, Switzerland, and they getting the money to back up whatever they that they trying to give you. And, if, and they charging you two to three times more than what they paying for it. Or they have other companies and other countries where the labor is cheaper and yeah. taking that money, they flipping it with you. They got, we got all these different pay, uh, payday loan apps now. And yes, it's so much going on that where money is very accessible. Yes. Yes. But people don't know why. Mm. Mm. You just nailed something because this is interesting. And I'm going to go back for just a second and tie this into the, the housing crisis, because what you were saying was, you know, people that, and I'm, I'm going to say this, people that wouldn't normally qualify for a, a high mortgage, let's say it was a $300,000, $500,000 mortgage, and they're making $60,000 a year. That is, you know, by all intents and purposes, that is not your mortgage. If you're making sixty k a year, your mortgage should not be any any more than three times your annual salary. 
And that's on the higher end. So you shouldn't have been in a mortgage higher than about 180K, right? But people were getting these, these mortgages and these houses that they really could not afford. However, there was a, obviously a predatory aspect here because what they were, these mortgage companies were offering people were interest-only loans. So they were only paying interest on this $500,000 house, maybe that interest total 1,500, I don't know, right? And they're like, oh, I can, I can swing that. So they're paying $1,500 a month for maybe a year, two years. And all of a sudden they don't read the fine print. And those mortgages, now you owe principal and interest, or now that that loan is reconfigured. And so something to your point, Lamont, is the, the mortgage went up from 1500 to 3500 right? And you now can't afford that. Depends. It depends on how much money is coming into the household. So to just to that point, there was definitely a predatory aspect happening in that crisis. And that is how so many people lost their homes. That is how property values plummeted. And so a house that was worth, you know, 200K dropped to 20K. I'm in Detroit, Michigan, and that certainly happened here. Property values were in the toilet. People had to short sale. They weren't able to collect on, you know, the equity of their home. And as we know, home ownership, especially in African-American community, is considered your, you know, your asset, your wealth building tool. That's arguable, but that is, the, the bill of goods that we were sold. And so when you could not use that as your way of you know, drawing down on equity or having money, that in and of itself put people in the hole as well as if they lost a job and just the snowball effect that the, crisis, the housing crisis had, I mean, it just devastated tons and tons and tons of people and it crossed color lines. You know, so I'm just I'm just putting that pin in that because now it moves us into present. We are now hopefully <laughs> coming out of a pandemic, but absolutely in the pandemic, the concern with something like that would happen again. Right. That the economy would completely collapse. And obviously we had a huge impact to the economy. But to your point, you know, there were grants and loans and economic stimuluses, you know, funneled into um the country and all of this where people could capitalize on this, on these, um, these, these, uh, this help <laughs> that is coined as help. But now that we're coming kind of out of that, and those, those um, funds aren't necessarily available. It's like, what do we do now? And that is the question. What do we do now? And what should people be thinking about? What should they be doing? And that's the question. So if I may answer that, I would advise someone to, again, start to think about ways that you can take control of your, of your world, what's going on in your household, what's going on in your life and the people that you're you know, required to support. So we are in a day and age where you know, the ability to earn income is at an all time high in terms of access to income. So what I mean is you can have a full-time job, you can get a part-time job, you can get a side hustle, you can, you know, get into the gig economy, you can get online, you can, I mean, there's so many ways now to make money and make money off of a skill, you know, so there's ways to do that with a lot of us still working at home. Some people have two full-time jobs, you know, working from home and they're 
working two full-time jobs and they're able to, to make it work. And so I think it's important for people to take, start to look at things and take control of their own life as opposed to, you know, um, being too reliant on government or also looking to see what the government is going to do, because I think we don't have control over that. And that's the part that I typically tell people is focus on what you can control and maximize those opportunities to, you know, bring the kind of money into your home, your household that you need so that you can continue regardless of what is happening in the background. No, for real, because and even then with all the money that's accessible, like you just said, through employment and different stuff like that. The people that are giving it, they obtaining it through a loan. Yeah. So at some point in time. Somebody's going to say no. Mm. And then when somebody says no. Then the other person going to say, well, Bob told me I can't get no more money, so I can't pay you tomorrow, John. John say, what do you mean you, I can't you can't pay me tomorrow? I got to pay. I got to pay Stephanie in two weeks. Right. What you mean you can't pay me? So Stephanie, like. John, what you mean you can't pay me the money? <laughs> we got to pay Paul, Jill yeah. and Sam next month. Yeah. And I need your money to buy more inventory to get them their money. Yeah. It's like a domino effect. Absolutely. And what they did was they put us at the bottom mm. to where if everybody falls, we're going to fall the hardest. Mm. So it's very important that we pay attention to how we utilize the funds that we are getting, the things that we are accessible to, and be able to understand education too as well. We have people like Stephanie that are going to teach you where to put that money, what is yielding the highest return on investment, because if we don't find these things out, we're going to find ourselves investing into liabilities, not knowing that they're liabilities. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's perfectly stated. And you're right. I think that, you know, using the resources that you do have, right, and being able to execute in a way and manage it in a way that if one stream of your income or, you know, the way that you phrased it, if that money that you're getting is contingent upon a loan and that loan dries up, that means that your money dries up, is having utilized that money that you did get or the resource that you did get and it having invested it in something that would give yield you some return. One thing I want people to understand, having a savings is not outdated. A lot of times people will put all of their eggs into the investing basket. And I absolutely encourage people to invest their money. When I work with my clients, we talk about the different types of things you can invest in. However, do not sleep on having a savings account. The reason I say that is because you can access it. You can access the savings account in the event that you need it. So I encourage my clients to do both. An investment account is really the objective of it is for a long, long term. It is, it is typically, in order to see the benefit of investing, typically you want to have money invested 10 years or longer, okay? So 
think about what you want your money to do. That goes back to assigning purpose to money. So if you take a chunk of money and you invest it in something, have a long game. You need to play a long and a short game. You also should have money set aside where you are saving it into, and, and, and keep in mind, interest rates and savings accounts are not high. I am very well aware. However, I do still encourage folks to save because like I said, you can access that money in the event that you need it and then have money invested. Also having a retirement. Retirement accounts and investments and investment accounts are not necessarily the same. Retirement accounts are for retirement. You, and you decide when you retire. Your retirement can be traditional age of 65 or older. It can be 55. People are retiring early. You can set that parameter. If you're choosing to retire earlier, that means perhaps investing more, or I'm sorry, putting contributing more into your, your retirement account. So those are the kinds of conversations that I have with my clients in looking at your money and making decisions on what you want your money to do. And those decisions are typically driven by, first of all, what your goals are, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? And also as a measure of protecting yourself because you don't know what's behind door number one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we haven't even talked about certain insurances, protecting your assets as well. So those are the kinds of conversations that I have. And that is to the point of all of that is wrapped into money management. A lot of times people think, oh, it's just, you know, getting the budget together. And it is all of those things. As an adult, that is adulting. <laughs> Right. It is the things that, you know, we need to do to really get the most out of the money that we make. No, definitely. So with that being said, as far as like with the budgeting and insurance and stuff like that, say I was making. uh, We're going to say, say I'm making four thousand dollars a month. OK. How much money should I be allocating towards each part of my life? Yes. Yes. So the first question comes down to what are your lifestyle costs? Because I could answer that question and say 10% should go to a savings. You know, I know we are on, I believe in this, but we are on a faith-based show. 10% should at least at minimum should go to your tithing, things like that. Um, but I could say that those are kind of your rules of thumb. However, I always start with asking people of the 4,000 a month that you bring in, how much is already accounted for? Mm. What are you spending it on? Because to have that conversation about what you should be doing, you're not going to do if you spend in thirty nine fifty, right? If you bring it in four thousand and and all of your bills, expenses, and all the things you spend money on total up to three thousand nine fifty, that that should be doing that, but you're not going to do it, right? Because you don't you got fifty left over, so so the the question is, once you've determined what your costs are, and then you make a decision on what you want to be putting in your savings and investing and all the other things, now we've got to look at, okay, where are you going to find that money? Does it mean looking at what you're currently spending money on and trimming it down, reallocating some money? You know, maybe I don't need to spend 200 on a cable bill. I can stream for 50, get my streaming services for 50. That I just found 150. 
maybe I don't need to spend $500 on a family plan. And I, and it's for adult working people. Maybe they, I can spend a hundred and they contribute their hundred that has saved me 400. Now you got 550 freed up just from making two decisions. Mm -hmm. So now that 550, right. You can say, okay, I make 4,000 a month. So a rule, a good rule of thumb is to say 10% of that. So that's 400 a month. Well, I just freed up 550. So now I can actually put 400 a month in my savings account. I can act, you know, and you can start making decisions. So that is why I always start with what are you currently doing? What adjustments need to be made, if any? And then we start to make the decisions of where to allocate the money. Let's say of that 4,000, you are, you have done everything. You, you just have a, a high cost of living. Let's say you got childcare, you got car notes, you got a mortgage, you got some things and it just totals up to 3,900. Let's say you like, look, I can't trim anymore, right? Now the question is, do I need to bring in more income mm. so that I can begin to save, so that I can begin to you know, invest money or what have you, right? So that becomes the question. So my, this might be different from some other you know, financial expert style, but I always start with, what are you currently doing? And then we make decisions based on what do you want to be doing? I got you. Kind of like a diet. It's like, all right, what you doing right now? Yeah. You eat McDonald's every day? All right, well, look, we got to take away the McDonald's. We need to replace the fries with some type of vegetable at least. Right. Or, and then take it away bit by bit, piece by piece. Right. And now you're doing three smoothies a day. You you got your servings of vegetables. You got your servings of fruit. You cutting back on the carbs. You got a lot of protein in your diet. And that way you got a well-balanced diet or a well-balanced budget to where Absolutely. now five to 10 years from now, you sitting on a nice amount of money. You can make some good quality investments. The children aren't worried about different things. You can, y'all can just take uh, sporadic trips and stuff like that. And I think everybody desires that. And the Absolutely. problem I think I start to see is that no one knows how to properly do it without sacrificing what they honestly need. They sacrifice, yeah. they sacrifice what they they need for tomorrow or next week. It's like kind of like this. It's like uh, I think I heard somebody say this. They say, "Well." You know what you just did was you just if you just spent five thousand dollars that you don't have today, you just spent five thousand dollars of your money in the future. Mm, that's good. So now since you don't got that money in the future, you might need that in the future. But you just spent this on going to Disney World and you used it on. A, first off, you used it on a credit card that's going to accrue interest. Yeah. Y'all went to Disney World. Yeah, the kids had a good time. It was a memory, but. That five thousand dollar trip might cost you fifty. Like might cost you five, uh, fifteen thousand dollars. It might even cost you fifty thousand dollars, depending on how you pay it. That's right. That's right. Have a plan. If you're gonna, and this is another thing with regards to credit. If you are going to use a credit card to pay for that five thousand dollar trip to Disney, let's say your credit card gets you rewards and points and miles and things like that. Those are some of the, you know ways in which you can use credit to your advantage. I always encourage people to use credit to your advantage.
But if you're going to do that, the, the best way to really be advantageous of getting the rewards connected to the credit card, but it not harming you is pay that trip off at the end of the month, pay, pay it off before the next billing cycle. That is the that is the best way, right, to treat the debt. However, I know that sometimes, you know, for folks that isn't what they're able to do. But that's the rule of thumb for using credit. That's the way that you win. Your credit score goes up. You don't get charged additional interest for, you know, carrying that balance over cycle after cycle after cycle. You get the advantage of the rewards. That's the best way to do it. But if you can't pay the, the trip off in one fell swoop, you know, try to pay it off in two chunks, try to pay it off in three chunks. What I would highly discourage anybody from doing is, you know, putting a minimum payment down. Because to your point, that $5,000 trip becomes 15,000, right? Depending on what the interest charges, finance charges, and all the things are attached to that. That's how you, you get a trip to Disney, but it is, to some extent to your disadvantage because you're paying two and three times more for the trip. And that's an extra, you know, two and three times more that could have gone to something else to your, to your point, Lamont. So people really have to consider those types of things when you, every action has a consequence. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think about it like that. And that is something that I highly encourage my clients to do when they work with me is that think about that credit card company. They don't need no more of your money. They do not. So when you think about it, that that's your money. Why are you just giving it away? So you may want that trip to Disney, but do you want it more than making these credit card companies richer and richer and richer? Because that's what happened in the economic crisis. That's how economic crisis happened. <laughs> so, you know, think about it in your whole, the piece that you play in a larger society. Yeah, Prince, on, based on principle, I'm not giving you no more than what I, you know, what I, I have purchased this trip for, right? No, that, you got to, or you or you losing, because we didn't know that, like, beforehand. I mean, I know some of the millennials, we, we still don't even know everything. We, we have posted on Instagram, but we're doing something completely different. Completely different, yeah. And it's crazy because, I think the main question we need to start asking ourselves is how do we, how do you balance everything while still trying to grow your income? Because you got to take a risk. Once you, once you get, to, I'm going to say, in my opinion, this might be my opinion. I think once you get to that hundred thousand dollar mark, you might certain professions, you can get paid around 120. Mm -hmm. That's still a little low, but you can start, you can get to the 150s, 180s. You got to be in like in between upper management and the C-suite to start getting paid that 250 and up. You got to start being like somebody who really is important to the economy to start getting paid 400 and up. And these are these are like uh, just regular professions. It's not counting entrepreneurs. This is people yeah. who, who are employed by somebody. Yeah. So how are how is one able to take risk at a lower level when he's when they're making less than. 65,000 making less than $60,000 so they can take that risk so that they can be able to get into the income bracket that they desire to be in, but not putting themselves in a detrimental position where they risking everything they got 
to try to get there and they don't got a clear path. Well, I know that's we understand its purpose, but they don't know what to do. Like they just trying to make something happen. Like every month is is a battle because you trying to make something happen. You trying to now you trying to start this business. Now you trying to start that business. You trying to you really each and every day you trying to increase your income so you can increase your life. But then when you increase your life, the income not guaranteed. That's it. That's it. And that's such a good question. That is such a good question because what does the person that's in the middle, that's what I tend to call the person in the middle. They might be making 50, 60,000 a year and they want to get into the upper levels of income. They want to make some money. They want to grow their wealth, their power, so on and so on, right? What can they do? The question you just asked was about risk because it does come with a certain level of risk. Anytime you are looking to, you know, come go into a, another level of income or whatever that looks like for you. It, re, it requires a certain level of risk taking, um, and you you kind of start at the bottom, right? With each new level, you start at the bottom of that new level. So think of it this way: first of all, a person needs to to assess their own level of risk. I know you and I are familiar with the terms risk tolerance. You need to know, are you a heavy risk taker? Are you kind of throw caution to the wind? Let's see what happens. Are you kind of a cautious risk taker? You know, where you want to do a little bit and, and wait and see? Are you a zero risk taker? Where you like, uh-uh, I want all of my money. I don't want to be throwing nothing at, you know, you have to determine that for yourself. The second thing I tell a person is, you know, don't fall into peer pressure. I know that sounds probably antiquated. <laughs> But it's so true. And the peer pressure nowadays is social media, right? That wasn't always the case. But now you start to see everybody doing, living this big life and they got all the nice clothes and they taking trips and they pulling up, right? And you want to do all of that. And mm-hmm. so the what to me influences risk the most is seeing something like social media and feeling pressured to live that same lifestyle or to get it quick, 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 quick. I want to keep up with what everybody else is doing. So that's the second piece is don't let social media fool you because that's a lot of times what it is. It's an image, you know, it's a background, you know, it's, it's um, a digital screen. It's not always real. You'd have to get back to your own values. That's why goal setting is so important. And what do you want to accomplish? So those are, that's kind of the foundation I would set with someone, right? It's determining your own level of risk. Don't get swayed by social media. And then what do you want your life to look like? Specifically, what do you want it to look? What are you gunning for? What is the risk worth to you? What is the risk for? I think all of those things have to be answered so you can know what actions to take. Mm -hmm. So that can look like, if you were talking investing, for example, let's say that's your choice of risk. I would tell somebody if they're new to investing, not to be confused with retirement, their 401k, let's say that's already set up, but they want to do some additional investing. I would tell them to start with an app. Start small, start with Robinhood. There's an app called Robinhood that you can invest a little at a time. There are, um, you know, everybody, the whole craze is crypto. I encourage people, if you're going to do something like that, you need to absolutely do some reading, learn about it. Don't just throw your money into it because it's the trendiest thing. Mm-hmm. You know, educate yourself before you do anything. But you can start small if that's your choice of risk. If you're 
talking about building a business is a product or service. You know, if it's product, perhaps start with a small amount of inventory. See how that sells. You know, price your, your items accordingly. See how that sells. If that sells well, then you buy more. If that sells well, you buy more and reinvest into your business. If it's a service, if that's your choice of risk and you are monetizing a skill, start with a small group. You know, get your beta test going. See how that does and build. But you choose what risk, what thing you are willing to get into, what is worth the risk for you. And it's a test. It is literally testing it out and seeing how it does. All of, this, all of it is an experiment. And once you get your footing onto something that seems to be working, then you go further and further in. So that's that would be my take on it. But I think you, you absolutely have to start with that first self-evaluation of your level of risk. What do you want to accomplish? What do you want it to look like? And not being driven by what you see in social media. No, definitely, because that had you tripping. I just seen uh <laughs> I seen today, I seen I think it was a rapper or something like that. No, I wasn't even running a rapper, it was uh I forgot who it was, but they had hopped off a a uh a helicopter and the helicopter wasn't spinning. The door wasn't open, and they was like talking, acting like they just got off the helicopter. And it was like, wait, this is a well-known person. So it's like, you even gotta watch yourself with that because you might be thinking like your favorite entertainer, favorite yeah. actor, favorite whoever they getting it, but they job is to make you think they get it so that you consume whatever it is that they're selling. Absolutely. And when you do that. You make their pockets fat. Like, how you think that somebody, like, they get into a bad deal and all of a sudden they can act, they, they can act really, really good. Like, they Absolutely. might be a singer and they can always pull up in the Rolls Royce. They know how to say what they need to say to you on the West and they, they followers keep going up. Now they got 3 million followers and this company right here is going to pay them $5,000 every time they, <laughs> they do a post. But they did that because of your, your attention. Yeah. You was paying attention to them more than what, yeah. you, what you need to be doing yourself. <laughs> now you you purchasing whatever they say. Yeah. I, got the, I got the new the new shoes. Right. Yeah, the new shoes today. Now you go get the new shoes today to feel like you keeping up with them. But they exactly. not even keeping up with they self. They need <laughs> you to keep up with them so they can afford their lifestyle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody who got money ain't got money. I'm telling people. And you put put that same energy in your own stuff. That, that's the trick. Put that same energy into your own stuff. You better put the same energy into your own stuff because if you don't, it's going to be a long day. It's funny because uh, going back to the Bible, we understand that so many different people, they had, they had money. So you got, you got David, you got Solomon. Got Daniel. People don't know that Daniel was rich. Yeah. Yeah. When they said he can't, they, they came to his, they said they came to where he was at. He was, he wouldn't stop praying. He was living in the palace. <laughs> they caught him praying in the palace. Yes. If you read the text, you see that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were chosen because they were gifted. They yeah. were gifted to come do whatever they need to do with the king who had 
control over the over the children of Israel at that time. So he said, all right, I need them. They the gifted. But he said, all right, everybody got to do this in the city. They said, no, nah, we ain't doing it. So evidently, we know that God will put you in position. But you got to follow his laws, follow his decrees. It's funny because if we really start to follow the word of God, it tell us that the lender is slave to the uh, the borrower is slave to the lender. Yeah. It tell us to have more than one strings of income. Yeah. And more than one string of income. Now I do hair, do lashes, <laughs> do credit repair. You sell life insurance. Y'all sell uh, dinners out of the kitchen. Uh, you watch people kids on the weekend. That's not multiple streams of income. That's not yeah. doing your purpose. Yeah. And doing as much as you can so you can either a pay these bills. B, try to keep up with the people that you see on the internet or the TV because you're trying to do, or you're trying to do both. Right. That's why you're trying to pick up everything and you need to find out like what God called you to do so that you can be able to implement this plan that Miss Stephanie just told us about with your money. You can live, and we ain't saying like live extremely below your means, but what we are saying is that you have to be able to put yourself in a position that you understand your risk tolerance. You know, all right, I'm about to risk the bag on trying to get rich. Right. You know the consequences with, all right, I make $4,000 a month. I'm spending $3,500 $3, a month. But what are you spending this $3,500 on? Right. Are you spending this $3,500 on liabilities? Or are you spending this $3,500 on, all right, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing this. Maybe you might go into debt doing this. It might be five months. You done paid your bills late. You behind on the mortgage. You behind. You getting all these what's nice. But boom, everything you just invested these five months in, you get a check for like two hundred thousand. That's it. That's All right, it. that was worth the risk. That's that was right. worth the risk. Now, financial. If I did that, if, if Miss Stephanie was my financial coach, she probably tell me don't do that too. But <laughs> at least you got something out of what you was doing. Yeah. Versus you spending that thirty five hundred, you going, you 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 buying every week is a new bottle of Casamigos. You buying Tennessee. Yeah. And then you got to recover on Friday. So you eating what you want. You spend like a hundred dollars on food. Then you, uh, you, you, you acting like you paying your tithes and your offering. So you, you, you'll get your tithes and your offering, whatever. You probably going to get half of it because you just gave half to the club the other day. You should just not went, but you're going to do this. And then you want to keep up with, uh, your, your girlfriend, or whatever you, you want to do, like you found yourself, you're a woman, you got your boyfriend, and y'all want to go spend money during the week on little dates and stuff. And, and now you you trying to get a, a side job. So now your time not going towards using your energy the best way you can. So now you're getting a side job to try to keep up with all the money that you spending <laughs> for no reason. And now yeah. you're making $5,000 a month. You was just making 3500 You went and got a side job. Now you're making some more you make a five thousand dollars a month now, but that five thousand dollars you still spending forty five hundred. Yeah, cause you you out of place. Yeah. So you need to to really sit down. And what you said, you, you need to write down everything you're spending. Yeah. You it. need to ask yourself, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? What 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 do I really want to be doing? You yeah. say you want to you say you want to have a a nail shop in your city and you want the best nail shop in your city you say you want the best lawn care company in your city you say you want the 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 biggest we gonna uh we gonna you want the biggest hardware store you want to be the next amazon all right cool write that down 
But what are you doing over here on the left side that's stopping you from doing this? That's it. That's it. That's it. And to your point, Lamont, sometimes you do go into debt working your plan. Sometimes you do. I think I think it would be lost for me not to say that. But the difference is you are working a plan, right? You have you have done your due diligence in writing down what you want to accomplish, what it's going to look like. And that goes to if you that's when you're able to use credit as a leveraging tool. Mm. Let's say that, you know, you want to start a lawn care company and that's going to mean buying some equipment. So this is why if you have been smart with your money or you are now making better choices and you got a decent enough credit score to be able to, you know, qualify and get approved for certain, whether it's loans or credit cards, what have you. Now you are you are buying into something that is meant to create an asset for you. That's the difference, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to you got this dream to, you know, start this line care, but you also can't stop buying shoes every week. That's that is, and you own on credit, mind you. <laughs> so that's that is that's just hitting you, hitting you, hitting you. You're not paying it off, and so you got you self sabotage. That is what we call self sabotage. So you've got this one goal, but you got this habit that you just committed to, and you can't figure out why you can't achieve this goal. That they they don't one. You got to give up one. You got to be more committed to one. Otherwise, you know, unless you get a windfall of money, you know, you're not going to be able to to start that company. And keep in mind, whatever habits you establish going into a goal will be the ones that you keep. That's why I always start with the questions first, because you got to get real about yourself. You got to get real about, you know, what are you currently doing? What do you want to be doing? Here's the gap. What changes do I need to make in order to make what I want to be doing a reality? Mm. The other point to that, Lamont, is with regards to tithing and offering. The whole tithing principle, and I I would love to hear if you agree with me on this, is set up for stewardship. If you are supposed (laughs) to tithe a portion of your income, it's already meant for you not to spend everything you make. So if you're tithing, I have talked to tons and tons of people that tithe and then they don't have enough money to pay their bills, right? So they, there's that, or they, like you said, they'll they'll give a portion of it because they trying to, you know, they done went out and they don't have all of the money. So they got to give a little piece of it because they're trying to figure out how to pay everything. So your life is already set up where you're not even... Um, planning to adhere to this one principle, because if you do this one principle consistently and you are not managing on the other side of that, you know, people go into debt all the time because they, they think that by doing this one act, tithing, that they don't then have to manage Everything. the other portion of their money, which is false. No, you better I have be managing the rest of it. Yeah, I, it's not a. It doesn't manage magically get managed. I I have to tell people that all the time. The same way that you portion out that money for tithing, whether it's in cash, a check, debit, however you do it, the set that's the same thing you got to do with allocating the rest of your funds. 
Y'all better listen to uh, the money manager over here. You gonna tell y'all what you're supposed to be doing? No, for real, because even with the tithe thing, right? With tithing, like this is a principle. When yeah. God can trust you, He said, well, "If I can trust you with few, I can trust you with, with many." Yeah. We know that the the parable of the talents when He gave each one of them what He gave them. The guy who put his in the ground. He snatched it from him, gave it to him. He said, you, you going to hell. You tripping. <laughs> yeah. Because he going to give you what you, he going to give, let you, we got this misconception that we think we can just get everything we pray for. Like, I, yeah. I know some of the preachers been preaching that, this and the third, but guess what? I, I, I'm coming through with the revelation. God, I mean, other preachers say this too, but God is only going to really give you what you can manage. Right. He's not going to give you a million dollars and he know your mindset, not a million dollars. Yeah. And if he allow you to get the million dollars with your mindset, not being a million dollars, he know you're going to blow it, That's but he it. let you do it to learn the lesson. Yes. And, or he might allow the devil to give it to you just so you can find out what side you're supposed to be playing on. Mm. Oh, you're like, yeah, I, I ain't playing on the black team no more. Cause the black team is, is, is crucial over there. They, they they be about to kill you over the million dollars. Of course. Yeah. Because that's what his job is to do is to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. That's it. So he's going to allow you to do whatever you think you can do for money, not serve God, serve him, just so you can fall on your face. But that's a whole nother story for another day. <laughs> but when you pay, when you when you live off this 90, you giving them the 10 to live off the 90. But then you got to understand, all right, for real, for real, I need to be living off 70. There, there it is. You live off 70 is over with because if you got 10 going to God, this is yeah. investment now. You got 10 yeah. going to God, you don't invest 10 in the God. Now you don't took 10 invested in yourself. Then you take 10 and you invested in whatever investment it is. Yeah. So if you're making $10,000 a month and you only spending seven, you really can spend less than that, but just say you spend seven, say you got yeah. a business, whatever you spend seven, you got three being invested because there whatever you give going to come back good measure, press down, shaking together, run it over, men going to get in your bosom. Yeah. That's the ideas, people coming out the woodwork. God bless you with relationships. He's going to introduce you to different random people. You feel what I'm saying? Just stuff just going to start happening. You don't even know why it's happening. It's because you're dropping that 10, <laughs> dropping your 10. And then you yes. invest a 10 in yourself that's getting put up somewhere. And then you got another 10 that you're working. This seven might be getting spent. Now you might be like, hey, I'm like, I can live off 40. Live off, yeah. Yeah. That's what rich people do. Real Come rich people. Come on. They really living off like 30, 40% of their money. That's it. The they invest in another like 30. If they save, they're going to get a 10. And then they got 10 just going somewhere that's put up. And then, like you said, the insurances, like, that's a whole nother ball game too, because a lot of this money getting put up in this specific type of life insurance policy. That's right. And when stuff happened, oh, Johnny need a car. Well, uh, guess what? Emeritus, I need uh XYZ amount of there money for my uh you my universal life there for my is. whole life. This language that you ain't gonna understand unless you go talk to somebody who gonna allow you, who gonna help you understand this. But you're not even gonna want to talk to the money person if you're scared to talk about your money because you know you blowing it. That's it. And you gotta wrap your head around living around living off of 50, 60% of your income. There are people who can't 
Do you see why the mindset piece is in there? Because you you nailed it. I can't you do nailed it. it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. They, they can't wrap their mind. What you mean? I make 10K a, a month. You mean I got to live off seven or six? I got to live off 6K? That means the decisions that come around what you're spending money on have to lend itself to what you have agreed, what you have established for yourself to live off of. So if you live in off 60% of your income, 70%, because you're going to invest, you know, the rest of it in these different assets, as in tithing, saving investments, you got to wrap your brain around living off 70% and then do the things that make it so, so you can live off 70%. But people be wanting to do all this other stuff that you just talked about, 10 here, 10 here, 20 here, whatever, but they want to live off 90% of their income. That that don't add up. The math ain't mathing, as they say. <laughs> that don't add up. Nothing. The math ain't mathing. So that's why I always start with, what are you currently doing? Because I can tell you all day, just like you broke it down so beautifully. This is what you should be. I can tell you that. I have told people that. I will tell you that. But if you off 90%, or 95%, and I tell you that, you're going to be like, oh, okay, okay, I got you. Yep, yep, I'm going to do that. You're not going to do it. I've been doing this too long. You're not going to do it. <laughs> you may trim down to 92%. Well, you know what? I ain't saved this month, but I'm going to do it next month. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And if you're going to spend, you better be investing in some education so that That's you can it. yield more income later on. That's right. Absolutely. So you can do the things you want to be doing. So if that's the gap, if that's the gap, then put some money into some education, get you a coach, get you somebody who can tell you the truth and go walk with you mm-hmm. so you can begin doing what you really want to be doing because you're serious. That's it. Absolutely. And the government will pay you to have a business. People don't know that. Like, Uh-oh. you can go into more detail, but like the way it's set up, Say you make fifty thousand. Automatically, thirty percent of that fifty thousand got to go to the government. Yeah. If you got a business, home based yes. business, in LLC, you got a business. Now you can eat into that thirty percent that you've given them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if you if you making ten thousand dollars a month, the government want three thousand. Yeah. Now you set it up to where you got a business. Now say. This month you spend nine thousand, but you spend in a mixture of your business, your lifestyle, different stuff like that. That three thousand, you might only be paying the government like one thousand five hundred thousand. That's it. Might be paying nothing if you make the proper investment. That's right. That's and right. then now you you building. Yeah. You building. You ain't getting a refund no more. What you need to refund? You don't need to refund. Yes. No, yes. ain't no refund this year because we, we bubbled up because we didn't invest in it. Then now you're making two, three hundred thousand dollars working part time of what you used to working because now you let your you let God talk to you, let your ideas manifest, you allowing yourself to walk in your purpose, you're making three, four hundred thousand dollars. But now you know, hey, the government coming after me. We hey, wife. Hey, uh, husband, <laughs> y'all gonna live off? You gonna be like, nah? We we gonna chill. We not about to go get a Rolls Royce because we made a couple of dollars. We not about to go go crazy on the designer. We not about to buy our children who are three years old 
Burberry shirts. <laughs> and it's it's nothing wrong with, with this stuff if you got it. That's right. But I'm telling y'all right now, like I have a lot of friends who are in a category that people would love to be in. And some of them, they doing what I'm telling you right now. They buying all this stuff, but they can write it off because they entertaining you. That's it. So That's yeah, I'm coming rose. Yeah, I'm coming <laughs> new shoes every day, kicks of the day. Cause as soon as I put them on the ground and I got online courses or I got something, it's a write-off. You buying this and you still paying the taxes. You buying this and you still losing. You buying this and you're not getting no benefit from doing this. That's what we all here telling you, like, it's time to play a little bit smarter. We ain't dogging you for your decisions. We're right. just like, hey, we can play this game a little different. That's like, right. People don't know this. Like, them chains, right. all the chains you see in, you feel what I'm saying? Like, for real, they for marketing. Real, you make invest. I, you can tell me better than this because you're the money expert. If you buy gold, I think you can write it off because it's an invest, it's investment metal. So to your point, that's such a phenomenal point because that's why it goes back to not making your decisions based on what you see on social media, internet, TV, what have you. Because a lot of the folks that you're looking at that's flossing, first of all, a lot of them even bought the stuff, is given to them. Mm. Some of them have rented it, right? And those you can absolutely write off. Some of them got the, the gold chains and the blingingness, and I don't even know all the new terms now because y'all look. <laughs> they doing all that, but they writing that stuff off. To your point, Lamont, somebody trying to mimic the lifestyle and they not in business, they can't claim it as a write-off, a deduction or whatever. They just spend it on, on something that's going to depreciate or something that's going to put them in a hole or they didn't put on a credit card that they really can't afford. So as far as the question of gold being, you know, you would have to, in terms of being an investment metal, absolutely, you can get something from that, but I don't even know if gold is as valuable as it used to be. I don't know. That's the question. I don't know. But I do know that a lot of times, you know, the people, like I said, that you're looking at that got all this expensive stuff on and they're using it in their marketing, they're using it in their pictures, they're, you know, they have figured out a way because this is how rich people stay rich. They didn't figure out a way to write off just about everything they do. And, and that puts them, yeah, they got all kind of money and they might they might be paying a certain amount of taxes, but rest assured, it is not proportion to what they bring it in. They paying something, don't get me wrong. But if they can figure out a way to write off, whether it's at a business expense, a trip, a marketing, an equipment, a, they hiring, they, they family, they kids, they doing everything they can to keep as much money as possible. They not waiting on a refund. They not looking for it. Because what they do throughout the year is what's making them bank. A lot of the times, the people that are waiting on refunds is they're not doing what they need to do throughout the year. And the refund is not extra money. It's not a gift from the government. It's money you should have already been getting throughout the year. That's another show. They <laughs> finessing you with the refund. They give yeah. you 10 Gs at the end of the tax time. They took that 10000 They probably made about a honey. Come on now. And it's no dog to the government either because it's no, that's how y'all do business. But we need to be able to teach our community 
That's how to understand what's going on so that we can maneuver in the proper ways. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because most of your richest people pay absolutely nothing in taxes because they have enough money to reinvest in the real estate. Because when you start investing in real estate and stuff like that, now you're playing a whole other ball game. That's a whole other game. You yes. invested in the opportunity zones, you fixing up communities and you 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 helping out. <laughs> but you get a <laughs> return on the investment. Ten years right. later, you invested 10, 10 million. Your account, like, yeah, we just got this check in. You got 130 million from uh the XYZ uh fund. You like, what 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 is that? Oh, that was an opportunity zone fund that you invested in in 2003. They bought a whole bunch of buildings and then they reinvested it. They start buying apartment buildings across the country. Now they're in Indonesia and they, they want to just kick back some to the investors. You just put 10 million, you got 130 like, million cool. in 13 years. Cool. Who want to live that lifestyle? Matter of fact, like, like this video, you want to live that lifestyle because we're going to live that lifestyle and Ms. Stephanie going to help us because do you help people set up trust and stuff too? No, but I have somebody on my team that does. Uh -oh. So yeah, so social money finance is, it's, I'm the founder, but I have, I work with a team of experts that are experts in their field. So I have someone who is in estate planning on my team. I have someone who is in life insurance on my team. I have an expert in invest, investing investments on my team. So these are people that when I am teaching in a group coaching setting or a class, and I want to bring in another element, another skill set, you know, another expertise that can, you know, put together what we have, what I'm talking about versus what they're talking about, put it together so you get full knowledge. Um, those are the kinds of things that you have access to when you become a part of our community. So social, the social element of social money finance is bringing together a community of experts that can help you in all areas of finance. Hey, make sure y'all tap in because the trust is a whole nother play. Yes. You don't know about the trust. You yes. need a trust. Yes. That's how they getting it off. They getting trust accounts. You ever heard of trust fund, baby? Guess yes. what? They ain't paying taxes and they getting it off. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna let Miss Stephanie explain to y'all because I don't know too much about it. I just know how to how to get on the money to get one when they tell me. <laughs> put the money together. Yeah. And I so I work with my clients just so you all know that I have group coaching and mentoring for my clients. And I work with them so they can learn through levels of learning all facets of financial education. And I think, I hope what has been conveyed to you today is how important it is to empower yourself, to elevate yourself with financial education, because the government is going to do what they're going to do. You know, the economy is going to do what it's going to do. The world is going to do what it's going to do. And it's ever changing. Money is continuously evolving. We now have digital currency. When I first got in finance, I couldn't say that, right? So things constantly evolve. And if you want to play a bigger game, if you want to become more knowledgeable and understanding, you know, how your decisions can impact you to its highest level, depending upon what you want, then it is absolutely imperative that I don't care how old you are and where you are in your life and how many degrees or what no degrees or whatever, 
that you have or don't have. Learning financial education, getting financial management as a skill is going to serve you 10, 20, 30 times over. And so I'm saying that whether you reach out to me, whether you reach out to someone else, but getting yourself financially educated will be one of the best things that you can ever do. Because then you can start making decisions and moving and shaking in ways that's going to best serve you without just being um, victim to whatever, mm-hmm. you know, credit card companies or whatever um, things are out there that sort of are meant to consume you. You don't have to do that. You can actually make strategic decisions that are gonna, are, that are going to be best for you. No doubt. And make sure that if you is going to take advantage of these opportunities, that you're taking advantage of the opportunity. You're not just buying TVs. I was talking to somebody about that one day. I was like, oh, we was in the store. I was like, man, they 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 trying to get over on everybody. I said, pay attention. I said, when you walk in the Sam's Club, you see the TVs is $3,000, $4,000. You like the average person. We about to be real. We're not about to be social media today. We're going to be yes. real. Who, about, who got enough money to just go buy a $5,000 TV today? Right. No, you're going to put it on credit. Yeah. You're going to put yeah. it on credit. So, like, that same credit that you purchasing, this TV, this furniture, uh, whatever, why not use that same credit to go purchase things that are going to yield you an income? Now you can go purchase cars and you can put them on Turo. You can there go. It is. You can go uh, purchase real estate. And if you want to, you can rent out the rooms on Airbnb. You can even now start you a company and say and tell them that, all right, I am a short term renter. And you go rent out these nice apartments that you want to live in. And now you rent them out to other people in major cities. You can take your uh, you can take your money and buy different things and sell them on Facebook marketplace. You can, you can do, you have access to so many different things yes. that you can use credit cards and your credit and you can leverage it to make money Yes. instead of buying things that you about to pay for You got is liability. That's it. You're not getting That's nothing it. for it. Yeah. How would you say somebody could, if they were, they were trying to start a business part-time because that's something you, you mastered you, you was a lawyer and you, you was doing this financial coaching thing for a little bit of time. And then you was like, all right, 2015, I'll see y'all later. Bye. I'm out of here. So how does how would someone be able to manage their finances to start in a part-time business so that they can be able to grow that business to eventually part ways with their employer because they, they're doing something different? Yeah. So, and you're right. I started my business on the side. So I started Social Money Finance. Um, in 20, 2018, right, I started on the side and I had my full-time job and I did it for about a year before I went all in. And what I would say is if you start your business on the side, whatever money you make, continue to reinvest it, reinvest it into the business, reinvest it into the business and let it grow, right? Use your full-time income to, because initially you will use your full-time income to fund the business. It's usually like your runway, you know, the money that you have. You know, if you're not getting capital and loans and things like that, then a lot of times your full time money is to give you some runway to invest. And I and it's not to even say I had tons and tons of money to invest because my business, you know, is service based. A lot of times the the um, overhead was low. I had to buy software programs and things like that. So I didn't have a high overhead. So what I did was I portioned out a chunk of my money for my full time income to fund the business. 
as I began to make money from coaching and classes, I reinvested that, which meant I, you know, got better um, forms of software so I could begin systematizing, you know, I, so that I could show up better, so that I could get certain materials, so that I could invest in education, you know, as far as learning how to run an online business. What are the things I need to be aware of in this landscape now? And I think it's so important to do that because it's an investment. You continuously reinvest, but the returns are long. So that's to your point, Lamont, the, the, the returns are long. And that's what I did. And when I got to a place where I could do this full time, I, I also had other support, you know, and it's important to know what your unique situation is. Um, I am married. My husband was also working full time. So that also helps in, you know, giving us a backdrop of continuous finances, managing the household so that I could do this full time. That's my story. If that, that's not everybody's story. So if you don't have maybe that backdrop of support, I would encourage somebody to use their full-time job as long as possible to get the runway they need. And when they get the money that they need that they can live on, and the goal is to go full-time into their business, then make the move at that time. But you have to know what's going to work for you because your bills don't stop. Mm -hmm. You know, your bills don't stop. So you just have to know what's going to be the right decision. And for, for, for my situation, you know, I had a discussion with my husband, we talked about it. And even though I had a runway, you know, you still want to, it to be crystal clear that these are the expenses we have. This is the kind of money we need month to month. This is what I have so far that I've built up in my business. And after having that discussion, you know, a decision was made, but again, you just have to know what's going to be right for your situation. Amen. Amen. And make sure if you can cut some of them expenses, when you're trying to do that, start cutting them. You might, maybe you don't need to live downtown. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you don't need to be, you don't need $1,700 rent right yeah. now. Yeah. You might lease renewal in a few months. You like, all right, I'm about to go over here to this little area over here. It's a little, little 1100. Maybe if yeah. you go lower, you don't, you ain't got to go straight to the slums. You ain't got to go to, you feel me? You ain't got to go seven. What would it? What y'all got? Seven mile? <laughs> seven mile. Right. Go seven mile. Deep right. You paying 600. You feel right. me? Again, if you can survive it, you already know. You got, now you, if you pay 600, you just pay 17. You got a little bit of money to work with, but just modern, just minimalize your lifestyle a little yeah. bit more so that you can get to where you say you want to go. That's you feel right. what I'm saying? Like, if you read Proverbs, you'll start to understand the different things that Solomon was learning from God to get to where he got. We know that Solomon was the richest man to ever touch this world, but he wasn't just rich by God just gave him everything. Even Abraham, Abraham wasn't just rich because God just gave him everything. You start to understand the scriptures, start to read and actually Jesus scriptures. You understand that they were doing different things to obtain this wealth. Yeah. And if we want to attain wealth, we have to follow the rules, follow the principles. I want to suggest some books to people. Make sure you you check out Richest Man in Babylon. Mm, get you uh, get you rich dad, poor dad. You feel yeah. me? Check these things out so you can be able to understand. All right, look, I, I, I don't need to be wasting money. And you need to know, like you said, education. 
why am I going to start investing in crypto mining just because I seen somebody on YouTube talk about, yeah, I made $3,000 a day. I'm going to show Absolutely. you how to do now you you deep in you done accumulated six hundred dollars more worth more of expensive you in the MLM you didn't even know you was in MLM before you realize this is a scam you right six months in that's thirty six hundred right find out what you need to be doing talk to God find your purpose tell him. What other things that would you suggest people to do as we start to like wrap everything up? I mean, you nailed it, Lamont. Like I could not agree more is, you know, get yourself educated before you make any move. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I encourage people to get a coach. I mean, of course, I would love to have welcome you into my community, social money finance. Um, but if not me, somebody else, but someone that you trust and make sure whoever you align yourself with is moving in the direction or is in a direction that you want to go. That's what I would encourage people, because not all financial coaches are created equal. Somebody will tell you something different. And so make sure that whoever you're learning from, that their values align with yours. You need to get you some values, have some standards, have some things in place. So that when you are vetting coaches, because I do think you need to vet them, they need to stand behind what they say they can do. And this is a coach saying this, um, but make sure that whoever you align yourself with, that they have integrity, that they know their stuff and they can stand behind it. You know, there's some social proof available that can, you know, give credibility to what they do. So that is what I encourage people to do. I'm a big proponent of education, but also vet your educator. Amen. I like that. Make sure you understand what you're getting yourself into. Don't just be getting yes. money because you've seen them pull up in the roles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't be swayed by that. Do they know their stuff? Do they apply it? Do they implement? And can they get you results? Let's just be real. Can they help you? That's what you want. When should somebody start investing? Yeah, as soon as possible. I mean, if we're talking about age, if you're working, you know, start investing as soon as possible because the best thing about investing is time. Investing, again, that's a long game. But let's say you're not 25. Let's say you're 45 and you haven't begin, begun investing. A lot of times people think it's too late. It is not. You know, begin investing now. Yesterday is better. Today is great, right? So begin investing as soon as possible. And like I said, if you're unsure of what to invest in, you can start small by using, you know, an app such as a Robinhood or something um, with that. There's other, you know, um, robo apps that you can use. There's a ton of, I give a ton of resources. Nerdwallet.com is a great resource for learning um, what small ways to invest if you want to get started in that way. Nerdwallet.com is a great resource. If you're interested in other ways of, to invest, such as real estate, as, as Lamont said, a good way to kind of start in that um, vein is doing corporate leasing or short-term rentals. That's another way. And those are terms that you want to be clear on what all of that means. So I, I'm not the type of person to just drop a whole lot of terminology on you because, again, I want you to get clear on what you want to do and then start learning from there. But there are so many ways to invest. There are so many ways to invest and start as soon as you can. 
Amen. Amen. Appreciate you for coming on, blessing us with your knowledge and showcasing your wisdom because we need it. We need it, especially in this time, everything going crazy, people trying to figure out what they need to be doing next. But we got to understand and we got to trust God first, but we're also going to put treasures in earthen vessels to help us steer ourselves along this path that we call life. So I appreciate you for coming on. Where can they find you and, uh, and find out like your, your different resources that you offer? Yes. So you can find me at socialmoneyfinance.com if you're interested in learning more about our community. If you're interested in our group coaching and mentoring program, we have one called Momentum. And I welcome you to that program. You can learn more on socialmoneyfinance.com. I'm also on all social media platforms at Social Money Finance. Amen. Make sure y'all tap in. Get educated so that you can go to the level that God has desired you to be. So we appreciate Miss Stephanie for coming on here again today as we close out. Could you close out in prayer? Absolutely. Levant, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Um, if you bow your head with me, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you on this day. I come to you as humbly as I know how, thanking you for life, health, and strength. I thank you for a word today. I thank you, Lord, for putting me in a place where I could give a word. I thank you for Lamont today and his platform that he is inspiring and educating God's people. I thank you for him. I thank you for the opportunity to serve in this capacity. I thank you for the gifts that you have bestowed upon me. And I thank you for allowing me to use my gifts to bestow upon your people, Lord. I ask that anybody that has heard this, watched this, that it blesses them in the way that it needs to bless them, Lord, that it uplifts them and encourages them and helps them to move in the direction you have them to go, Lord. I ask that your purpose be served here today. I ask that your will be done here today. And I ask that you just continue to lift up your people, that you continue to implement and provide wisdom to us. You said in your word that you provide wisdom to whoever asks for it. So I ask you, Lord, now that you grant us your wisdom that you grant us your grace. And I thank you Lord, for your grace and mercy. And I just ask that you continue to allow us to be vessels unto you and that your word and your name be glorified in all that we do, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Thank y'all for tuning in to the God, God is My Source podcast. We bridge the gap between God, money, health, family, relationships, education, business. We're gonna develop the people because without uh, knowledge to people suffer so we gotta we gotta be able to educate each other showcase what the lord has put in our hearts what the lord has put in our minds so that we can be able to give it to others they can take it and run with it so thank miss stephanie again for coming on thank you all for watching and we'll see y'all again next time all right sounds good